I know there's a lot of times in our lives that we do a lot of preparations for a lot of different things. Some of you are sports fans, and so you travel to different venues. And so there's preparation that takes place in in doing that. And I think at times it's easy to say, here I am to worship. Here I am to say in the song that you're worthy. But how have we done in preparing for that? What does it look like with my personal relationship with him to say, okay, you're worthy today. Here I am. I'm saying you're worthy. So as we enter into the Christmas, I think about really, we really need to do some preparation for this. I already know that your calendars are full. I already know that you're probably going to go some places that you really don't want to go. That person's coming, and it's in your family, and they're going to want to stay with you. They're coming. And so are we ready for this? So what are you doing to prepare for Christmas? Now, I realize that some of you went out and got your tree. I think that's a little strange. Some of you are buying your presents already. What preparations are you making to celebrate Jesus this Christmas? And it's fascinating to me how easy it is for us to say, here I am to worship, and then we get distracted by all of these things. And this month will go zipping by, and we really haven't paused and said, no, you're the reason. If I didn't have you, I don't have life. But in the society that we live in, and we go so fast, and we are so busy that we don't pause and say, okay, wait a second. I'm stopping before anything takes place in the month of December, and I'm going to be prepared not to miss an opportunity to celebrate Jesus. So this morning, as we think about that, there's a couple of things that I want to share with you when I think about preparation to celebrate Jesus, which is, is... totally fascinating me for even think about it should be just the overflow of our heart it just it should be oh yeah it's me and you again christmas but that's not where we live that's not what's normal and i think part of that is the church's fault because people typically think churches is well i went to church somebody stood up front and told me some more information about the bible I went to church. And yes, that is true, and that's part of what we are. But more of it is, how do we get you to participate in this relationship with Christ? Not my relationship. What does my, I can define to you what my relationship with Christ looks like. I want you to have that same relationship. How many years have you been coaching tennis? coaching tennis, Sebring High School girls tennis for over 20 years. Out of those 20 years, did you ever spend two or three years just talking to those students about how to play tennis? I mean, you instructed them, but you put a tennis racket in their hand, you gave them a ball and say, now hit it. Now wait a second, you didn't hit it right. You need to do this. And in this scenario, do this. But a tendency in the church is, is for us to stand in here and talk to you for year after year, after a year, and you never get involved in the game, what does it look like for you to worship? 
What does it look like for you to stop and prepare and say, wait a second, I need to prepare for this. I need to be ready for this. So in doing that, I just want to give you a couple things that maybe will help you that I've found for me as I've been just thinking through the process so I don't miss Jesus. Oh, the whole world's going to celebrate Christmas. Do you realize that? The whole world will do something for Christmas. Every country, every culture. But that really doesn't matter, does it? What matters is what will you do with Christmas? What will you prepare for? Will it be, yeah, i got to get just the right gift. I'll make so-and-so happy if I give him the right gift. I am not a gift giver, but I am for gifts. My wife likes to get these certain gifts. I, I'm just like, well, what does somebody need? We'll just get them what they need. Well, that's not how it works. You have to figure out what they want. And, well, how do you ask them what they want? Without letting them know you're going to get them a gift for Christmas. So that's, that's foreign concept for me, okay? I am for those people. But just know the person when you buy the gift, that gift will only make them temporarily happy. The only one that will meet their deepest needs is Jesus. So this morning as you think about this, I want to encourage you when you think about Christmas, I want to encourage you to spend some time. You'll need to find some time alone before this Christmas season. Just you and your Bible. Just you and an opportunity to come to a realization. Take your Bible and go with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Psalm 46.10. We read in the beginning of Psalm 46 that God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Verse 10, I think, is really interesting. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And God has exalted himself in so many different ways, even in 2018. But unless we're still and stop and say, whoa, there's my God, there's my Father, look what he's, what he's done. I, uh, I walked outside last night. Saw a full moon. But you know what's neat is, is to walk outside and not just see the full moon, but stop and say, there's my God. Just to be still. Oh, he did it for a lot of different reasons. For it to be a full moon. He had to follow the calendar because he's a faithful God. And he doesn't change and his mercies are new every morning. But he also could have done it for you last night. For you just to pause and say, wait a second. I just need to be still. I just need to see him. And so as you enter into this, this Christmas season, I'm going to encourage you to spend time alone. I'll take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 13. It's interesting as I think about being still and knowing that I'm God. And it's fun to read through the New Testament and watch Jesus lay out an example for us. As you read through the New Testament, you see a lot of amazing things about Jesus. But I want you to see verse 13 of Matthew chapter 14. 
Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard of it, they followed him and on foot from the towns. And if you go through the Gospels, you get a chance to see Jesus step in and there's some amazing, amazing things happen. And I think a lot of times we like to see the amazing things. And we don't see the times where he stepped away so he could continue his relationship with his father. Times where he stepped away so he could be encouraged. How many times this week or this year have you just paused and said, wait a minute, I need, just need to be still before you. And you retired people are just as bad as us younger people. You're busier than we are. So this, you can't cop out of this. Retired, then enjoy some retirement with your father who created you. Spend some time getting to know him, seeking his face, being still before him. I know shuffleboard is important. I know water aerobics I hear is pretty good. But there's nothing like meeting with the one who created you. And being still before him and saying, I love you. Thank you. I'm your son. You made me. Wow. Those things don't happen when you're busy. Those things happen when you step aside. Say, wait a second, I want to be still and know. I want to see something else in Matthew chapter 14 since you're there. Start with verse 22. Immediately he had the disciples get into the, go, the boat to go before him to the other side. And while he was dismisses the crowd, and after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Something I think that when you and I hear the word prayer, or we hear the concept of the source There's something that goes through every single one of our minds, typically. That's going to be boring. I remember sitting in prayer meetings at Grace Bible Church in Burn, Indiana, doing everything I could do to stay awake. And I'll just be a little bit honest with you. You are missing out if you do not show up at the source. You know what else that shows? There's a tendency to show that the heart of our family is not about seeking God's face. The heart of our family is to sit in the building and say, yeah, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. But I really don't want to get to know you. I really don't want a relationship with you. I really don't need you. Because you know what prayer is? Prayer is me saying, God, I can't do life without you. And so really the fullest time of our schedule should be the times when we say, you know what, we're going to gather to pray. Because we will publicly admit we need help. And we don't mind doing that. The gatherers as a family and say, hey, December's here. Father, what do you want to do in our family? We want to see you do something amazing. 
And the amazing part is not the number of people that show up on a Sunday morning in a building. That's not the amazing part. The amazing part is when people are saying, wait a second, I need to find the time when I can just get with my brothers and sisters and pray. To say to their father publicly, I need, I need some help today. I don't have it all together. And so as when you think about the word prayer, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6. So go back in your Bible, Matthew chapter 6. All of you know this as the Lord's Prayer, but I'm pretty sure the majority of us have not made this a biblical practice of our lives. We can quote it, but it's not what our time alone with Jesus looks like. And so I'm going to run through this kind of quickly, but I want you to see something. Before we even start in Matthew uh, chapter 6, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6, and look at verse, start with me in verse 7. And when you pray, Jesus' words, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, and think that they will be heard, for there are many words. Don't be like them. Now look at verse 8. For your father knows what you need before you ask. Now I realize this is Jesus talking to to his father in heaven. But most of the time when we sit down and pray, we pull out a little piece of paper. We might get out our Bible, and we sit down with our Father and say, okay, look, I need this, 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 and this. Instead of saying, go back to Matthew Matthew chapter 6, pray like this. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be whose name? Not your name. See, it's not about you and me. It's about Him. It's about Him demonstrating His love and grace through your life. So as you enter into Matthew chapter 6, there's a word. and You've heard me say this before and you'll probably hear me continue down this road. As long as... As I have an opportunity to serve at Bible Fellowship Church. Is your heart filled with reverence? As you sit with him, as you be still and quiet. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And as I think about this you know, word reverence, you can look it, up, look it up in a dictionary, deep respect for someone or something. Is that your relationship with God? Are you sitting with him where you're such in awe of him that you can't wait to say, hey, Dad, good morning. Now, I know that there's individuals that you respect. And I know there's individuals that you love. But how much do you respect and love your Heavenly Father? So I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk with us this morning. When you think about reverence, what's one passage of Scripture that excites your heart about who your God is 
and it motivates you or leads you towards a process of reverence? What would that look like for you? What would be a passage of Scripture that you're sitting with your Heavenly Father in this time alone saying, wow, I'm so in awe of you because of this. What would it be? What would be a passage of Scripture that would draw your heart to be in awe of your Heavenly Father? Do you have one? Or two or three or four? Give me a passage of Scripture that will lead your heart to be in awe of your Heavenly Father. Ephesians 1, 3. Okay, would you just read it from your Bible? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place, even as He chose us in Him We just finished Thanksgiving, and we could go around and talk about some of the things that we're thankful for, and I think those are important. You know, your home, your family, you know, good food, those things. But as you're alone with your Father, have you thanked Him for the spiritual blessings? His mercies are new every morning that He's faithful. He's a God that never changes. That He's not moody. What would be another passage of Scripture? You sit here this morning, think about it. This would be something that just draws my heart to be in awe of my Heavenly Father. Okay, so John chapter 1. Yeah. So he's in the beginning. be another one. I was thinking about Job, chapter 41, 11 through, 1 through 11. Think about Leviathan, how God created this beast that you couldn't catch. Thinking, wow, there's my God. I was thinking about Exodus, chapter 15. What it must have been like to be on the other side of the Red Sea, singing a song back to their God, to a group of people that were that were oppressed. That the Egyptians said, hey, you're going to do this. And they didn't have a choice. And then God said through Moses, by the way, I want you to walk out of Egypt and on the way out, you plunder the ones that held you captive. That God, um, they're in charge. We aren't leaving anyone. Oh yeah, you're going to leave on God's timing. And so when God let them out, and even though they plundered these Egyptians on the way out, they're taking this and taking this, and probably walking along the road saying, yeah, you know, so-and-so, he's the one that beat me. Well, I took this, and I took this from him. Yeah, check it out. We're the ones that are walking in victory. And then a cloud of dust starts to form. What happens? God, where are you? We're going to die out here in the wilderness? No, you're not going to die you just need to go through another trial so that you know that I'm God. And this time, you're going to walk through the Red Sea. And I'll, I don't know, this is just my imagination, but were there any fish walking by? And did the Egyptians or the Israelites just say, okay, I want to eat this one today. Okay, we're going to keep on going. No, I want this fish. I don't know how wide it was. Doesn't matter. 
You know what I know is God opened a path where the nation of Israel walked through on what? Dry ground. Where do you get dry ground underneath water? How does that work? But that, God wasn't done there. God wanted the nation of Israel to be able to write something down so that you and I could look back at Exodus chapter 15 and say, you know what? My God is a warrior. He's the one that threw the horse and the rider into the sea. That's my God. And so Israel walks across on dry ground. Here comes the Egyptians. In confusion, horses, chariots, battle armor. They're at the bottom. Because that's what my God chose to do. What is it for you? What's the verse? That when you wake up in the morning, you're saying, wow, I'm in awe of you. I just need some time with you. And not time where it's, hey, I need this, this, this. Just time where I can be in awe of who you are, reverence. We go back to Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be name, your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think our response to our heavenly Father is really, really, really important. God will always resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There will never be a time in the history of our God where God will say, you know what, I will walk away from the broken. But there will be times where God will resist the proud. Say, nope. You haven't got to the place yet where you say, I need you. So as you think about a time of prayer, is there any opportunity for you or a passage of Scripture that you might go to in response to saying, God, I just need you. Not my will be done. You know what's fascinating is? There's not one of you sitting in this room that doesn't want your way. There hasn't been a time in the history of marriage where partners high-five each other and say, you know what, I always prefer to do it your way. And so it's fascinating to me that Jesus writes something that you've memorized, something that you can quote back and back and back again. But will you get to the place, as you read Matthew chapter 6, that your response will be, not my will, Father, but yours be done. You know what's interesting? Throughout history, God has been in about a business of bringing people to broken. and then empowering them to go in a different direction. There's never been one person on the history, in, in history that God has never said, I'm going to break them so that they need a thing. Not one. He didn't even do it with his own son. He allowed his own son to go to a place where he was be willing to say, you know what, Father, if this is what you want from me, I will die. I will sacrifice my life. What's fascinating me, though, is... He had the power to step away at any time. Jesus could have walked away from the cross at any moment. But he chose to humble himself so that you would know what example what it looked like. He had every opportunity to say he was right. How many times in a conversation do you correct people because you're right? 
And you could just say, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't need to be right. Now, that'd be fascinating, be interesting to live in America, where we would be okay with not being right all the time. How many marriages would change if we would say, you know, that little detail's not correct, but it's... They're telling the story, so if they don't have all the little details correct, it's okay. What would it look like if my computer would work? Oh, there we go. Take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 22. Verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And he, when he came to that place, he said to them, Pray that may, you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Now look at the words to this. Notice the passion in his soul as you read these, as you read these words. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Can you remember the last time that you said to your father, not my will be done, but yours? Can you remember the last time that you're struggling with something in your life and you just step back and say, you know what? It's just not about me. It's not about my will. It's not about my preference. When was the last time? What, did that, what does that look like? When I say the word prayer, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody sitting in his chair just going, you know, well, oh, wait, wait, back up again. Read a verse. No, back to my list. No, I'm talking about having a relationship with him. Where you personally say to the Creator God, not that he needs your permission, but you humble yourself before him. And in response to what you've seen as your heart is in awe of him, your natural response to say to him, I'm not in charge. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. I think there's time in our relationship with Christ that there's opportunities for us to, to have our request. But I don't think this needs to be the first thing that we do. I don't think we need to be sitting with our father saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. You know, it's great when you work with middle school students and you ask a question, but before you ask your question, you say to them, okay, I just want you to raise your hand. Don't talk. Just raise your hand. And the kids don't have answers, but they just have to get their hand in the air. And it just, and it just, the guy, you know, just like, kids, call on me. And you know if you're going to ask, if you're going to, you ask the question, you ask that kid, 
He has no clue about the question, but he's just got to have a response. Just, I got this, I got this. You know what sad is? That's most people in the United States of America are saying, hey, just get me. This is what you need to do. Hello, didn't you hear me? We've communicated. I told you what to do. How many of you got positive responses from your parents when you told them what you wanted? This is what I am doing, Dad. I didn't get those. I never got a high five from my dad saying, sure, go right on ahead, son. It didn't work out well for me. And I have learned over the years to say, you know what? I have my requests. I have my burdens. I have my issues. I just want to lay them at your feet. I become less demanding as a son the more spiritual maturity that grows. Are you less demanding? Or are you still like that middle school student? Just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want to encourage you December's a couple days away. And your father can't wait to hear your voice. Now I realize some of you <laughs> didn't have the privilege to grow up in a home where your father was, might not even been there or even listened to you. My heart is broken for you. But that's not the way God treats you. As you begin, your father knows. He knows the issues. But you know what's neat is? He never forces himself on you. He's waiting for you to say, I need this. I need help here. He's waiting for you to ask. The last part of this is the readiness. You drop down back to Matthew chapter 6. You read this in verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In all four of these things, I'm always using my Bible as I work my way through these things. So in this one, as I think about the readiness one, and as I've sat with Daniel Henderson and just talked and chatted and prayed together, this is the where we're saying, okay, God, I need you to fight for. What I think is really important here is, is for you to say, God, I need you to fight for and just fill in the blank. Not tell him what he needs to fix when he's fighting. Just say, Father, fight for this marriage. I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and you can listen to people talk in marriage uh, counseling or just listening to them. The husband sees it one way, the wife always sees it something totally different, and then there's something in the middle, it's called the truth. 
And so what I've learned, what I'm learning to do is, is I'll hear this person, I'll hear this one, and then I'll get in the middle and say, okay, God, I don't know what either one needs, but you do. I can sit here for hours and try to figure out what you need to do to fix him, what I think you need to do to fix her. Instead, I just stop and say, okay, you fight for him. I don't know how to help them, but you do. And you know what typically I find? Most marriage issues are spiritual immaturity issues. There are opportunities where God wants this man to do something different, to trust him. And this man's still trying to trust himself and conquer the world. Or this lady that's that's saying, God, if I just had all of this, then I would be satisfied and helped and happy. And If you would just give me this, and if you would just do this. God's tapping her on the shoulder and saying, wait a second. I'm here. I want to meet your needs. He can't do it. He wasn't designed to do it. He was designed to do it. And so I believe God is a warrior. I love Exodus chapter 15. So let him fight for you. Turn him loose to say, God, do this in my grandkid's life. But don't tell him what he needs to do. Just turn your grandchildren loose. Say, I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know what they need, but you do. God, I don't know what's going on in my neighbor's marriage. And I don't want to sit for hours and listen to him and listen to her. God, just do something in their home. Holy Spirit, just fill that home and fill individual hearts. Take the brokenness that the issues are and make the individual whole in the marriage issue goes with. So as you enter into the Christmas season, I would like to really encourage you to find some time alone with your father. And the last thing that I would encourage you to do is I'd like to remind you that there's power in the name of Jesus. I don't know what Christmas looks like for you. I don't know who's going to be here, who's not going to be here. But I know the one that can help you. So if you look at Colossians, I want to read. um, This is a New Living Translation Bible that we have sitting on our table that oftentimes we'll just read in in devotion time. You know what's funny is we bought it for our kids, thought, you know what, this would be really good for our kids. <laughs> now we're the ones reading it. They have a tendency to grow up and leave your house. Crazy thing. I'm going to read to you Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15, out of the New Living Translation. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He exists before anything was created. And he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in heaven, in the heavenly realms, and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we cannot see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme one over all who rise from the dead. So he's the first in everything. For God in all the fullness was pleased to live in Christ, 
And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. And I want to read you one other passage of Scripture because I've been reading through the book of Ephesians. So you go back to Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to read here from this perspective. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Ever since Paul's words... Excuse me. Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you and pray for you consistently, constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give every spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. I pray, verse 18, that your hearts may be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are rich in his glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. I want you to be reminded of the power of God that lives inside of you. Thinking back of your spiritual blessings in Ephesians chapter 1. Saying to your father, I can't, but with you I can. And I was just, you can look at another one, but I was reminded of Galatians chapter 1 verse 13 where Paul says he goes from this persecuting person to one who now is the leader of the church sharing the gospel. That's what God can do in your life. It's not like... And it... It's really neat. Read the scriptures. Remind yourself that Paul was the one standing there when Stephen was stoned. He was holding the coats. He was the one that went in the houses and said, you know what, you believe in Jesus, we want to destroy you. And then Jesus met him on this road and Paul's life was radically changed. He went from persecuted to dying. He would not say no to Jesus. He gave his life. How much change has taken place in your life? I mean, you might not have been the guy that was destroying the church and now you're the one up front talking about it. But there should be definite evidences that you look differently. Why? Because there's power inside of you that just wants to be unleashed. If you'll say, I need you. So Christmas is here. What preparations are you making to celebrate Jesus this Christmas? Time alone, I think, is really important. Accepting his power. And here's just a real practical advice or thought. Maybe you just need to have an empty chair at your table this Christmas. Just to remind you that he's there. Maybe, maybe just needs to be at wherever... You set man in your home that you place the authority. The dad always sits there. Well, move over. Let the prince of priests, king of kings, and the Lord of lords, let him sit at the head of the table so that your family would see. Wow. Why isn't dad sitting there? 
as dad's moving over and getting out of the way. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather around the scriptures. Excited about celebrating in December. But may we do it with preparation. May we not allow this month just to fly by and we haven't really spent time alone with you, Father. And may that time alone look like Matthew chapter 6, that our heart would be a heart of reverence, that would respond, not my will be done, that our requests would be less demanding, and that you, as you've always been over over history, ready to fight, fight for your people, if we just ask for help. I know you're not going to make it perfect. Because if it was perfect, we wouldn't need you. But there's power in your name, Jesus. So may it not just be here I am to worship. May we accept the power that's available to us. I pray for the Gaines' granddaughter. You know what's going on in her body. And you're there. So pray for their parents. Her parents. Pray for Savannah that you comfort her. But Father, may the hospital see something different. May you pour out grace and truth in, a, in hospital rooms in Texas because the grandchild has a medical issue. So whatever you need to do there, Father, we give her to you. We know you love her. We know you created her. And you, we know that you want to use her life to bring honor to your name. So just like in the hospital in Texas, may we get out of the way and may we humble ourselves before you as sons and daughters and say, you know what? You made me together. You created me. Now bring honor to your name through our lives. The sons and daughters that want to know you and to celebrate who you are. Holy Spirit, take the word of God and change us. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.